the first beer goes down easy. It's bubbly, it's sweet, tickles the back of your throat. The second beer, you're starting to enjoy it. You kick back, getting a bit more relaxed. But it's the third beer, Brett. It is. It's the third beer that where you hit that vibe, a certain mellowness comes over. It's a golden light nectar, I would describe. The pub turns into a very happy place, and you've hit that spot that's just right. And our third beer is a special guest each week that we get to interview and have a chat to not only about the beer, but also about life and other stuff that men don't talk about. I'm Brett McCallum. I'm Chris Dixon, and we'd like to talk about the third beer. Are you ready? That was yeah, one that sounded pretty good. Yeah, we go. I'll let we go. get the chin out of the way. Oh, oh that's it. That was the winner. The third one's the winner. Third beer's always the best. Okay, hang on. An easy drinking laid-back pale ale with hop-driven tropical characters of orange, mango, and papaya. That's Burley Barinko's Twisted Palm. This is the third beer. Cheers, boys. Cheers. It's got a nice aroma. Mm. Oh, that's different, isn't it? Mm. What do you reckon? I like it. Mm. I like it a lot. Mm, it's nice and bitter up front, and then there's this sort of like a sweet taste at the back. You really taste I, that papaya, can't you? Is mm. that what that is? Yeah, yeah. I don't like pale ale, but that's actually quite tasty. Mm. Mm. Wow. Have it in a glass, or even just to see the colour. It wow. feels really light. It's feeling good in my belly. Mm. I might have to um, try that again. Hang on. Mm. <laughs> Need to drink some more. <sighs> it is quite tasty, actually. Mm. It's kind of like a beautiful afternoon beer. On the mm, beach. It mm, is. Yeah. A bit different than being in a studio like we are now. Yeah. A little different. Okay. So this is the third beer and that's a good beer. Thanks, Burley Brewing Co. Be yeah. good to get you on as a sponsor one day. How are you, Chris? I'm good. I'm doing good, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, all right, mate. A little bit bitter after that beer. Bit bitter. Uh, bit bitter. <laughs> nice. No, I'm going all right. What have we got on today, buddy? Who are we, who are we meeting? We who are we meeting. The pleasure a, of meeting, sorry. The pleasure of meeting a dear friend of mine, Dr. Alistair Campbell. Uh, that guy that I've known for a very long time, probably, what, 10, 15 years? Yeah, about mm, close to 15, I reckon. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. We met when you were at uh, JCU as uh, Associate Professor of Psychology. No, I wasn't an associate. Never. Well, I, never well, an associate. I, I mean, up and he's... <laughs> no, I was no, only ever a senior lecturer. Senior lecturer? Yeah, okay. yeah. So I'm not that great. I always put you up high. You did. That. You yeah, always yeah, called yeah, me yeah. professor for some reason. I always saw you as a professor. Can I call you a professor? <laughs> With that beard, you look a bit like the nutty professor, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, very, I'm I'm very particular about terms. I don't like to take a term that I don't. No, that's assume, fair enough. So, but yes, but so. you can call him whatever you want. Yes, oh, I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have to reply. Just so long as it's not. <laughs> the little bit I'm can, like I feel a bit nude and on the face at the moment because I'm sitting next to these two blokes with these sensational beards, great beards. Yeah, yeah, yeah very nice. A lot of work into this. Mine's uh, overcompensation, of course. Uh, <laughs> so, so, what are we talking about today, bud? We are going to talk about uh, loss, loss today. But uh, I just wanted to acknowledge what a wonderful mentor and supervisor Alistair has been for me. He's the type of psychologist that's not only academically well researched and and uh, you know well uh, what am I trying to say well uh, published but also very practical and engaged with uh, you know his clients and he's been a wonderful mentor and guide for me along the path so welcome today master alistair welcome to the third beer mate yeah no thank you for inviting me i'm really enjoying the beer is there anything you'd like to add other than the fact we can't call you professor and uh (laughs) you're not an associate professor never have been never have been (laughs) senior lecturer just a senior lecturer no 
not really. I don't have anything to add because, I mean, that's a that's a past part of my life. It's one that I'm glad is behind me, actually, the academics. Uh, yeah, so what are you doing now? Uh, well, I'm in uh, full-time private practice, so I've been doing that since 2015. So that's, what, two and a bit years. Yeah. So you're a psychologist as well? Yes. So yeah. you're both the same degree? We had this conversation. No, no, he's ago. a clinical psychologist. Yeah. So he's the clinical and you're the... Uh, but also a family therapist as well. So okay. that's the beautiful thing about Alistair. He's got a foot in either camp. Mm. Oh, nice. Fingers yeah. in lots of different pies. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a clinical psychologist. I have a master's in clinical psychology and a PhD. Um, it just it wasn't in, particularly in psychology, but it was about psychology sort of stuff. Okay. Um, but I'm also a hypnotherapist, family as therapy. You are. Yeah. Yes. As you are? Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of similarity here, Bob. There is. I think that's probably why we sort of hit it off when we start first met each other. I, I really can't remember why, but you came into my office one time at the uni. I was doing some uh, organising organisational research. That's it. Yes. Got you to uh, mark and uh, work provide in, some assessments. The work environment survey. The work environment yes, survey. Yes, that's right. I remember that. Yeah. Yep. And uh, we've had a ten-year-long discussion about the nature of now. Yes. Which has really been a. Beautiful, beautiful thing. I think you might enjoy that too. Awesome, mate. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> we, we shouldn't reprise it. Now. So do you want me to tell you how I fit into the picture? Or yeah, absolutely. It's just about you yeah. two bearded men at the moment. <laughs> We're just hogging the airwaves. Here. No, so I've been seeing Chris now for, uh, I'd say, nearly 12 months, I suppose, maybe nine months. Yep, yep. And uh, when I got there, I was a pretty uh, fucked up individual. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I still am. But at the same time, I'm a work in progress, we like to call it. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Chris made me do something last. We've done lots of stuff and I've, I've learned like lots. I learned how a knife can't cut itself and I've learned really how to meditate, how to slow down, yeah, which is really good for me. Yeah. Um, but one thing he, he got into me last week in, in regards to uh, I'd just lost a, a friend. Um, he, uh, he 35 years old. He'd passed away. Then yesterday I had another loss. So another friend of mine in, in Melbourne passed away yesterday mm. that we've done a lot of business with in the past. So mm. I've had a, had a few of those things. And Chris turned around to me and said, well, you've got to get rid of that. And he pointed to my uh, ever-indulgent stomach. Mm. Let's call that belly, beer gut. Well, let's not call it a beer gut. We're trying to get – Oh, we drink a beer. Oh, let's go food yes. gut. Food. <laughs> <laughs> overindulgence. Yes. Turning my uh, steering wheel. Oh, I your magnificent chips. belly. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. My magnificent man bod. Dad bod. There we go. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, and so we, we had a deal that um, he's going to weigh me each week. And mm. the really good thing today is there's no scales here. But I know for a fact I've lost 1.9 kilos. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah. I've uh, I've now joined – I've been doing uh, at the gym for a while. But my whole philosophy about going to the gym was so I could still eat shit food and drink <laughs> beer and do all that. Yep. But then stay healthy. So, yes. yes, I'm healthy potentially on the inside. But the outside's not doing the best. And, <laughs> and Chris, Chris hit me up and said, look – that's all right now, but when you're 65 and if you're still that size, then yeah, the things aren't going to be good. Mm. And that really hit home. That was a really good thing for me. My mm. wife's been telling me for ages, but obviously that uh, someone else telling her as opposed to my wife telling me was a was a big difference. Mm. Um, and yeah, and it's made a big change. So this so that week means you've lost uh, 1.8 kilos. 1.8 kilos. Yes. Yeah. And I'm actually doing. Um, I'm eating a lot less, and uh, mm. I'm intermittent fasting, which I'm actually mm. really enjoying. Following the sixteen eight model, mm. and uh, yeah, I, I'm surprised. Um, I haven't eaten any food today. I've just I'm having a drink of beer. This is gonna be fun. <laughs> Look out in half an hour, but um, yeah, no, I, I'm actually really enjoying it. I'm feeling a lot healthier and a lot brighter. So mm. yeah, it's been a good week, and I just joined an eight week challenge. So each week I'm gonna update people on how my eight week challenge is going, and I'm gonna win well, it. I just want to say congratulations. Thanks, mate. mate. I can see that sparkle in your eye. Yeah, well, it's well back. Done. Yeah, yeah. Okay. good. good I'm, I'm very much a up there person or a down there person. Yeah, and yeah, since yeah. I've started seeing Chris, I've, I'm a lot more 
lot less up, lot less down, a lot more. Yeah, but yeah, in the past few few months, has been sort of a little bit down and up and down and up. And now I feel really good at the moment. So yeah, that's really good. I, I'd like to thank you, buddy. Thank well, you. There you go. There's lots of praise all around, mate. Congratulations and you know commiserations for the loss of another friend. Yeah, well. no, it was really sad. He um he had cancer for a long time. Um, uh, although he was only young, he's probably 40, 41. And uh, leaves two kids and a, and a wife, and uh, he done some pretty bad things in his life. But at the same time, he was a good bloke. He helped. He he, uh, yeah, he was like a like a like a long lost brother. Um, whereas the other guy we lost um, the week before, he he actually ran our camber operation for us. So we uh, we employed him around eight months ago, and uh, we were getting on really well. And he was starting to kick goals, and it was all going good for this guy, and all up and up and going. And it's Gornski's, mm. thirty five years old. Well, we're well on the path to not losing you too early. We are. And uh, what we're here to talk about today is, is loss and grief and, uh, you know, how men deal with this, how men talk about yep. this, how we engage around a beer, you know, to make it kind of a therapeutic process for, for blokes. With that having been said, I suppose I'm going through my own uh, separation at the moment. Uh, mm. is, it just a, is it a separation years. or is it a final uh, well, uh, yeah, it seems like it's it's accelerating pretty quickly. Mm. So you know, uh, it's, it's quite a difficult process. So there's been mm. a lot of loss and loss and grief and turmoil and emotional ups and downs and upheaval and uh, moments of clarity and and peace and forgiveness and then pain and suffering. So it's been it's been a whirlpool of emotion, mm. but uh, but beautiful in, in, in its own kind of expression as well. Mm. You know, once you get in tune. With How it. do you deal with? So, like, for instance, I come and see you and I tell you all my problems and we go through all that sort of stuff. And then how do you deal with it yourself? Like, do you do what you do for me to you? Well, that's Does that make sense? In my, in my best and good moments, that's yeah. exactly what I do. So yoga and, and meditation and mindfulness and pichara uh, kriya, which is just the witnessing observation of the process of the emotional experience. Has been What's it called? Pichara kriya. Pachara Cryer. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so that's been a, it's been a godsend actually, you know, through those dark moments, those lonely moments. And uh, you just get to sit down and bear down and be with the emotion and just watch it transform as an energy as opposed to react to it. It's been a, it's been a, it's been a saviour. But there's other moments where I've got caught up and been a bit frustrated, been a bit angry, had some intense conversations, feel a bit lost. So it's, it's been, that's been the whirlpool, you know, sometimes you're feeling stable and secure and other times you're feeling completely lost and overwhelmed. That's the whole idea of this, isn't it? To have these chats with the appropriate type of people, let's say appropriate, inappropriate as well. <laughs> it's like, but at the same time, you sit three blokes sitting around having a beer, sorting these, dealing with stuff. People, well, yeah, people don't deal with shit. That's my problem. People don't deal with shit. Yeah. I think blokes have a, a, a very unique way of dealing and I think that's what we're here to celebrate yeah. and explore more fully. So well, I think we've pro- all got our own uh, own stuff we're working through. Mm. Alistair, you've been on a, a hell of a journey for, for the, well, the whole time I've known you, but yeah. for the last two years quite intense this yeah. year. Do you, want to, do you want to share what you've been through? Yeah, well, I guess, I mean, you'd know um, the last, it's probably 10 years, but since about 2008, my wife was diagnosed with um, ovarian cancer and um then so she had all the chemo and surgery and all that sort of stuff. And um, five years later, she got the all clear. It was brilliant. Yeah. Awesome. Survived. And then about a month later, two months later, she had back pain, went to see a back pain person, whatever they're called, and um, did some CTs. And she actually had some unknown cancers 
in her lymph um, system. And, um, and so she had a, another cancer, which was unrelated to her um, ovarian cancer. And, uh, and so for about three years, we were going through the chemotherapy stuff again. And uh, essentially, it was just a very aggressive and virulent cancer. Nothing, nothing was really making any difference. And uh, so just before the end of last year, we decided there was no point to further treatment. Well, she did and I did. Um, and, um, and then she died in May of uh, 2017. Yeah. Sorry for your loss, mate. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah. It's, it's, it, yeah, it's been, it's been a hard 10 years, but, um, but also not a 10 years I wouldn't have gone through because it's actually been really, really valuable for me um, just as a person to grow up. I have to say it was a realisation I probably had about know, maybe six months ago. Um, uh, I've really finally grown up. Um, I've been I've been caught up in my own self. I've been very much sort of in my own ego for a lot of my life. And um, I think having someone that you love die in that way is really opens your heart, opens your eyes, and that's what's happened. So, what did it open your eyes to? Open well for me, it opened my eyes to myself that um, there was a lot of um, stuff that I was doing that was really just all about protecting myself, keeping myself safe. And so uh, the way that I might interact with people or the way that I might um, think about situations was really about just keeping myself safe. And the process of being with uh, Jo as, as she was sick and as she was dying, uh, I think really made me realise what I was doing, like how I was trying to keep myself safe and, you know, not feel anything and, you know, make it all okay and make it somebody else's problem and all that sort of stuff. And um, really it wasn't until she she actually died and I'd had some time from that to actually make the the actual emotional realisation that uh, this was all of, you know, a lot of it was about me and my no, not failings, but you know, me and 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 what I what I needed to make myself feel safe. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's something I want to I want to explore today a bit deeper is the, the growth that comes out of loss. Mm. Yeah, and, you know, and that's mm. been a big growing up process for me over the last couple of months as well. Mm. Just to recognise your own little habits and your own ways in which you avoid actually really engaging and dealing with people around you mm. and uh, it's quite startling mm. now, i do remember when i was at, at a conference and uh you were driving down to tasmania mm. Mm. and i think that's a it's really interesting kind of scenario about how that took place you just nursed your dad you, was you, this when i was in tassie yeah, yeah so yeah, dad yeah. Well, originally, and then you're on the way back to yeah. Tassie and you got the phone call from Yeah, Joe. about Joe, yeah. But you went through that process with your dad too. Can you yes. tell us a bit about that? Yeah, yeah. Well, he he was um, he, he um, was demented, so he, he was quite demented um, when he died. But I hadn't actually been with him for about 10, 12 years. I, we had been quite very estranged. Yeah, yep. yeah, I hadn't um, had any contact with my mum or my dad for a lot of years. And, um, and then... Uh, 
for, I don't, I can't really remember. Would you how say it that's another layer of that protection? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that whole ego yeah. thing played out in that yeah. context as well. Yeah, I'm all okay. Patterns and patterns. Yeah. yeah, they're all connected to sort of the way that my family generally deals with emotions and stuff like that. And my role in the family, like I'm always in my family, I was always the, uh, the kidder, the joker, the one like really, you know, snappy one-liners all the time and making everybody laugh. But it was all, you know, obviously largely about diverting the emotion in a particular way. And and I guess the thing that, that was one of the things that Joe said to me, um, you know, six months or so before she died, you know, you've lost your sense of humour. And, and I suddenly thought, yeah, I have. I haven't, haven't laughed for about eight years. No, nothing funny here, man. <laughs> <laughs> this thing called life is not that funny. It's yeah, not that funny. funny, funny it's, exactly. it's Did she weird. lose her sense of humour on the way through? Oh, yes, she did, only for a little while though. Um, it, it was a bit sad for me in a way because um, she lost it with me more than anybody and, and and she actually had fun with her friends and it was one of the mm. conversations we had was that, you know, seriously she, she said to me, you know, I enjoy being with my friends more than I enjoy being with you. Man, holy crap. That's hard. That's just what my wife said to me. Yeah, seriously, you know. yeah. Yeah, and 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 that I think is that's the the wake up call that they're trying to make. You know, like they're pushing something and saying, "Look, listen, look at yourself." And at the time, of course, I didn't look at myself. Oh, fuck, yeah, well, that's because you're. Well, you know. I don't know. I want to explore that as well. I want yeah. to go back to that story. But we'll go back dad. to dad. No, yeah. no, but I, I do want to explore that. That I think that in my relationship, gradually, I'd remove myself from friendships and groups and and hanging out with men time and, and having those fun where I would say, hey, I'm probably having more fun than I'm, you know, playing yeah. around the golf, having a few beers with mates yeah. than I do with with my partner. But gradually over time that became less and less where I, I noticed that her friendships had grown and become more intense. So there was a natural distancing in the relationship where yeah. I kind of felt a little bit isolated yeah. to the point where I thought that impacted on intimacy where she could be more herself with other people with other people because you and what i had to deal with was the nitty-gritty drama of home life and paying bills and not the fun stuff yeah so it was interesting you know you know what i'm trying to say that kind of yeah yeah no i think that's that's quite right actually when you say that i I guess i think about what was going on for me over that time as i was moving like from a you know obviously a, a, a joint income sort of family to a single income family and also becoming a carer and and I've got you know two kids, um, and so there was a lot of, there, yeah, there was a lot of shifting of the parenting, like, but but you know more the parenting because they're adolescent kids, um, life guide sort of stuff. Whereas Joe, I mean, she's just a brilliant life guide for them, and that was her role. She was very much in, um, you know, helping them to make sense of how to be a person because she was really good at that, and I was just sort of cogging along doing my own stuff. And then there's that shift. Yeah, that's probably part of what was going on. Was I think we'll tie back in. I think we'll yeah. tie Brett back in. I want to ask you a question. Mm. Both of you have oh, said the right same down. thing, right? Mm. Yeah. And that is that you both have grown up. Mm. What's that? What is, okay, well, growing up or I've grown up. Like, mm. I'm never going to grow up. I know that. <laughs> but but what, it's a really interesting con- like use of words is the fact of you're both, I'm going to say what, you're, I think we're the similar age, found that 45 mark. Yep. Ish. Mm-hmm. And, and how old are you? 57. 57. Fuck, you look good for 57, buddy. He's <laughs> doing right, isn't he? He's doing right. My beard's white. That's why I haven't got a beard. Look at that. That's sensational. <laughs> no, but you both said that you've grown up. Mm. What, what do you mean by grown up? Hmm. Uh, well, I, I think that's related to the theme of the loss. 
is that when you, when you have to uh, when you have to surrender and you have to give up and you have to move forward, there's a certain um, adultness that comes along with that. You mm. need to take responsibility for yourself in your own life. And I think in a relationship, you can kind of lean on the other or play off on the other. And I read an article the other day about most relationships that break up now. Women are often saying, my uh, husband was an excellent father, but a hopeless husband. Mm. And, you know, I think these roles that we take on that we think it's important. I think mm. then I've got four kids. So my my role in the, in the relationship was really put into energy and effort into those kids. And I thought, you know, and, and, and slowly the relationship over time kind of got more and more distance, mm. more and more kind of a living individual life. My wife calls me her big job. <laughs> I'm hearing you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's kind of was the kickoff. The kickoff yeah. of the demise was, hey, you've got to take responsibility for your life. And the more I did that, the more uh, space grew between us and it was just harder and harder to resolve. So, mm. I mean, that's what it means for me. What did it mm. mean for you? Yeah, I mean, I was thinking, as you're saying, for me it, it is about realising you are responsible for your own life, you're responsible for your own choices. But also I'm not afraid. And that's Ooh. yeah, that's Ooh. the big thing for me. That is a big thing. Mm. Yeah, I left that mm. out. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Get knocked down. You're not so frightened of getting hit anymore. It's yeah, like, yeah. And knowing well, and knowing that I'm going to get knocked down again, other shit's going to happen. I mean, life is not going to be some uh, you know, ideal journey. Well, that's the loss, isn't it? That's yes. what I meant by the surrender and the letting go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You have to yeah. give up at some point. Yeah, and and, and it, I guess it's not giving up. Yeah. It's it's giving. In you know, like you're not giving up as in no, I, I think surrender. We've had this conversation before. Yeah, I'm we not give, sure. We oh, well. give up. We give up to the cosmos. Well, we, you we give, give up, up to God. We surrender. Whereas I give up. Well, to Brett God. loves the conversation. Oh, here we go. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Let's talk about God. We did well. Twenty-one minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a term. We can use oh, no, the now if you like. Term. I like it's the fine. noun. The now's a good term. Was it? Well, yeah. I guess I just like the idea of giving in rather than giving up. Because giving up for me does have connotations of surrender. And giving in means in for me. Oh, okay. yeah. See, giving in it does. Yeah. You know. Whereas for me, giving in is is um, in in like you're giving in to yourself. Yeah, giving in like it's oh, in, yeah, enveloping, I've never looked at it that way. enveloping the universe, enveloping you know the direction that the flow that you're on, the the, the journey, the life journey. Is happening to you. Bit so it's a, like a, a bit of a five D promo right there. Yeah. In how to access. Yes. You know, I like yeah. to get that whenever I can. Yeah. 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 But I was, I was, I was, as I said, that I was thinking about a kind of had, had many years ago who was a surfer, and that was something that we sort of got on a wavelength about, essentially about what is life about. Wavelength, it's, no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that, nice. Cheap seats. Work the angles. <laughs> don't forget the beer. Well, I was serving out a crumb today and that's, that's why it's why I don't have a problem with giving up because once you've paddled in on a wave, mm. there's a surrender point. you just mm. got to try and make it. You can't actually predict what's going to happen. You have to let go and commit to the wave. Yeah. You're not having so a crack a as opposed to giving up? You're not having a crack at that. As I think they're, giving up. they're the same thing. When you're having a crack, there's a certain surrender involved. Mm. You've got to swing. You've got to stop thinking. You've got to try mm. and stop controlling the outcome, and you've just got to surrender for the moment. Mm. You've actually got to commit to the action and let it happen. Let it's it like take a good its golf course. Swing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah. The same and that's thing. one thing that uh, Chris has taught me a lot is how to sort of instantly meditate, so I can just go into a different space and then just swing my club and yep. then move on. Yeah. Yeah. And every time I do it, it works perfectly. It's just remembering to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and and that, that, that makes a big difference. I yeah. Think. yeah. But, um, yeah, I suppose having a crack is, that's, that's why I like investing. Well, hmm. Is it the same for you? Well, if we, if we all mean the same thing with is. different words. 
No, I don't think. I think, I think we're a in a semantic you, argument, and I'm willing to have that. And I think it's a very interesting. But, discussion. I, but I think having a crack is like having a go, doing it, giving up, or giving in's not doing it. Yeah. yeah. Whereas so from, it's stopping and going. Whereas I think, but what both Chris and I would say is that giving up and giving in are doing. They're doing things. They're they're actions. They're not just um, surrenders. Well, I mean, I think it comes back to that that core question that you and I have explored is now a, a verb or a noun. Mm, now mm. is a doing and there's a natural happening that's occurring, which you're a part of. You're not directing it, but you surrender to the process mm, mm. and allow the outcome to be what it is. Yeah, cool. And I think that's what's happening in my relationship. So I want to take us back to when you surrendered, went down to Tasmania, mm. caught up with dad. Mm. What was that like? Mm. It was profound, I think. And I think that was something that we talked about well, well, I think even while it was happening, maybe after Dad we, died. No, no, I think we were talking. Yeah, because yeah, uh, like, as I say, I hadn't seen my parents for many years and my mum had been caring for Dad for, oh, God, it must have been 15 years with him sort of in a fairly you know, progressively more demented state. And so when I got down there, she still didn't have anybody to help anybody or look after it, to look after him and stuff like that. So I got really involved in caring for him, not really knowing that he was actually in his last sta- last stages of life. And so um, you know, it was like twenty four hours a day. I was up and doing things at different times of the day, helping mum with dad, you know, all the care sort of stuff. And then he he got progressively worse and started to die, and. I found it was really um, – mum, I don't think, really knew about dying and how people died. I knew something about that and so I was able to help her actually connect with the dying process with dad. And so he died in a very dignified way even though his you know, his life had become quite undignified. And it it helped – it was it was sort of like – made me realise that it was actually an honour to be with somebody who's dying. It's not a. It's not scary. It's not frightening. It's not um, something you want to avoid. It was actually something which really uh, lifted me. It made me feel resolved in relation to my dad. Like it, it made me feel like, even though he and I could never have had another conversation, by helping Mum to be with him as he died and me being with him as he died, it made me feel like we'd made a connection. And there was a, a real. There was a, a spiritual presence in his death and his dying. And so I, I felt that connection wasn't just like a personal connection. It was also a higher level connection. And so, yeah, it, it taught me a lot about dying. It taught me a lot about how to be with with dying. And that was sort of like preparation, I think, for Joe's death. Are you afraid to die? No, not at all. Not at all. And is that since this has happened? Like, yes. So yes. previously to all of this stuff let's call it that the yeah. technical term yeah um you were afraid to die Absolutely. i used to have every year i'd, I'd have a, a period of um like almost like a d- death anxiety for about you know a, a week every every year i'd have this death anxiety i have dreams about dying i'd worry about dying wow and i really actually i want to i'm not saying i want to die but i look forward to that moment to the well-trained mind death is but the next adventure exactly i'm I'm actually excited by the idea that it's either nothing or it's something what do you think i think it's something Uh, 
I, I don't know. As Chris would know, I come from a family of spiritualists. So my yeah. my uh, grandma was a medium. My auntie was a medium. My sister isn't a medium, but she has contact with the other side. And so there's a nat- just a natural acceptance that there is something going on. I mean, I'm more sceptical than many people in my family, but I, I do really believe there is another side. There is There is something more than just what's happening here. So do you believe when you pass away... That Joe will be there. Yes, that you'll meet. That you'll see her again. Yes, and will she be young Joe, old Joe, or? Yeah, we'll, I believe we'll be our ideal selves, our actual selves. Um, not necessarily. So let's know. say you last to ninety, right? You're yep. at ninety years old, and then you get your joyous day of dying, mm-hmm. um, which sounds weird, but yeah. I understand that. Mm. I do actually get that, mm. which is which is what you're sort of saying because you're looking forward to the experience. Yeah. Okay. See what so happens next. Yeah. On the other side. Is Joe the age she was when she passed away, or is she ninety as well? Well, I think in a sense, it, I mean, without actually knowing, I think we would be in essentially ageless um, selves. So we are not physical forms in yeah, our spiritual the, self. The formless kind mm. of okay. spiritual essence type of mm. thing. Soul it's, spaces. But it's it's like it's like I would recognise her by her her the feel of her. Yep. The no the if I think about Joe now. Um, she occupies a place in my mind and my heart, which is a, it's a, it's an echo, it's a reverberation, and this is the, it's what I always have got with her, and I suspect always will have with her. I know her by how she makes me feel. Yeah, and I think that's true probably for all of us. We know people by the way they make us feel. Oh, definitely, mm. definitely. Mm. I'm a very, very lucky man. I like to say is the fact that my wife. And I've been together since she was 17 Mm, and mm. um, we've had an amazing life together and also we've now got four kids. Mm. We lost a little fella in the middle Mm. and uh, we went through that experience as well. That's hard, yeah. Yeah, it was was horrible, one of the worst things ever. But at the same time, I think because we did it together, it actually bonded us closer. And I think because of some of the – we've been rich, we've been poor, we've been – Good, bad, ugly, all that <laughs> stuff. But we've done the whole thing together. Together, yeah. And I think, um, as I say, I, I believe it's it's luck because, in in a way, it's luck. Plus, she also has great taste in men, obviously. But <laughs> um, but but the thing with that is that I she's a very spiritual person. I'm 100 yeah. percent opposite to that. Yeah. Um, I, do I believe? Well, I, are I, you, Brett? Oh, here we go. Because we've Alistair started <laughs> off in that way as to ten years ago, and I and I'm the chipping, and uh, I'm chipping away at you, mate. So I'm not sure about that. You have no chance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do definitely have no chance. But no, I just I just find the whole thing really interesting and intriguing. And mm. I, I say I'm a non-believer. I'm an atheist. I'm none of that. I just whatever mm. it's, it's, to me it's not something i don't go to church and i don't believe in god as such i mm. don't but but do i believe in the something on the other side i don't know mm. I, I, but at the same time i believe we all have connections in different ways and for different reasons and and the thing is like your loss at the moment chris is like is it just not meant to be mm. well you know we've uh, been on a hell of a journey too i mean we've been together since we we're 14 so yeah we've, we've clocked mm. up 30 years it's a lifetime mm. and um I heard a great quote from Ram Das the other day that I thought I'd want to share too, is that when you die, nothing dies. The only thing that dies when you die is who you think you are. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so uh, you know, I think in a relationship, the only thing that dies is who you thought you were in that relationship. Yeah. You thought you were as a we. Now yeah. we're working on being co-parents. We're still friends. I still love her. She still loves me. But... We've travelled a long way together and whether or not we uh, meet each other's needs for further growth 
that's what we're trying to figure out. Mm. And so to give up the idea of, you know, green kids and that home life and, you know, I've moved out of the family home and uh, the kids are actually dealing with it remarkably well. And it's almost like the idea, I think that's what's been a fascinating thing for, for my wife and I to explore is the idea that we needed to be something for other people is what's letting go Man, actually we're free free to be who we are and maybe we're better people or better selves Mm. not as a we in that sense Mm. and uh i think it's fascinating does she look at it that way though i think she probably does yeah well to to pull it back full circle i know i want to get into that but I, i i think that uh I think we are actually enjoying the space as individuals, mm. as people, because we've been such a we for such a long time as kids um, for the family with children that who we are as individuals got lost along the way yeah, and, and couldn't be resolved. So Alistair, to fast forwards, nursed his father um, through the dying process and had, a, had a, I think, had a slight awakening mm. at that moment. Yeah. I mean, it was a very uplifting spiritual space for him. Yeah. Mm. Then he's decided because of a few relationship difficulties that, you know, Joe's better, but he's, he's going to move to Tasmania. So he's on the road driving back to Tasmania and then mm. what happens, mate? The phone call from Joe. Get the phone call. Yeah, from Joe. yeah. Basically, Joe. That was when she rang and said that um, she'd had the CT scan and there was a, a lump and um, it was probably cancer. And, and that's when I turned around and drove you, back. You you turn on the Pacific Highway mm. back up north mm-hmm. of Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, it was a uh, you know it was a uh, an open sort of space or about what I was doing because I was driving down to Tasmania with uh, with my daughter Maeve. And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. She wanted to come for the drive, and I was really just going down there to explore the possibility of staying there, you know, and just sort of settling because because Joe and I had uh, been in Tasmania for ten years. So when we pretty yeah about four or five years after we got together, we moved to Tasmania, lived on a farm uh, by ourselves. It was great. It was absolutely excellent, Um, and. Then we had oh, the twin isolation in that. Oh, it was cold Tasmanian. But also, <laughs> but also learning to be a man. You see, that that man thing. Manly. Yeah, like I had to learn how to, you know, use a chainsaw, cut down trees, uh, do fence uh, posting, uh, um, shoot cows that have broken a leg, uh, you know, all that sort of stuff. Drive a four wheel drive up, you know, really steep things it was a brilliant experience remember it's a podcast and people can't actually see well you know i mean from there i'm, I'm very confident like uh, building things like i can sort of build i build rooms you know Redo bathrooms, all that sort of stuff. It's manly stuff. Yeah, and I hadn't been a manly, manly man before, which was okay. really good to actually find that. Yeah, so Tasmania turned you into a man. It did. It did. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And I have a very fond uh, place for me there. I'd really like to go back there. I think, but maybe I have to be really, really old before I can go back there. Who knows? <laughs> we'll, we'll follow it out. But then, yeah. then you had a yeah. very, uh, very interesting journey with Joe. For mm. another five years, mm, mm, yeah, probably about three years, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then we popped out the other side, and here we are. Mm. So today, right here, right now, mm. how do you feel about mm. life? Mm. Right here, right now, um, 
I'm still a bit sort of confused about life. I'm not sure exactly what it is that I'm meant to be doing. I, I, I was struck by what you were saying about the, the sort of um, we, uh, the, the, the idea of who we are and, and sort of how that dissolves or has to be dissolved in separation. That's also has to be dissolved um, when a partner dies. And I'm sort of still still struggling a bit with well, what am I meant to do? Like what's my role? I've got these two, you know, adolescents who are now 18 and I'm thinking very much around, well, okay, we've got to get them through the, this stage of their life and then I've got to do this and then I've got to do this. But none of it is really about me particularly. I'm not really... Thinking. But shouldn't it be about you? That's, You're growing up now, remember? Yeah, that's what I'm. Th- that is what I've been thinking. Is it does need to be about me, but it can't be about me in in, in a selfish way. I have to actually think about well, what do I actually want? What do I want? A friend life? of mine has just written a book, and it's actually called. It is actually all about me, <laughs> and it's like a great that. it's a great book to read because <laughs> yes. all through his life he'd gone through a really bad patch. He'd uh, he'd been uh, sexually abused as a child, mm. and and he wrote one book about sort of how to rebuild your life and stuff like that. But yeah, the second book, which is actually it is all about me, mm. is really interesting because it not doesn't contradict what you just said, but it actually makes you think a little bit a, differently. A though. bit more about that yeah. as a statement. Yeah. Well, so my yeah. favorite book at the moment is The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Yeah, I like that. I like Wonderful that. book. Yes. And where it just talks about the amount of fucks you get in one bucket. And that's your whole life. That's it. <laughs> so you only get a limited. You only number, give the yeah. ones yeah. that you actually are worth giving. And yeah. I yeah. find that really interesting. And so what was the title of the book? The subtle art of not giving a fuck. Subtle art of not giving. Oh, a fuck. Mark Mark Manson, I think it is. But yeah, great, He'd love great that. book. He'd love that. Uh, it's mm. good because I just like the fact that I have one bucket, and let's say there's a million in, mm. in there, and mm. I've only got a million of these to give away my whole life. Mm. So why give a fuck about that? That's not worth okay. it. Or that's mm-hmm. not worth it. Mm-hmm. Whereas your kids are worth it. Mm. Mm. But your kids are eighteen now. My mm. kids are all moving out on their eighteenth birthday. I'm getting one, <laughs> a house with one less bedroom each time. <laughs> you talk a big game, mate. But I I actually, actually, I actually, it's, happen, I, isn't I, it's, it's hard. To it's talk. a bloke talk. I, 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 I want to uh, talk about something you do give a fuck about, yep. and uh, that was the passing of your father. Yeah, indeed. Okay. Yeah, I um, my dad passed away. 13, yeah, it must be 13 years this year. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done a little bit of work on that. Yeah, we've done a lot of work on that. Yeah, when I first um, Cause you were I quite, first met, quite, I was angry. Quite angry for a period of time. I was a very angry man. And uh, I was that angry when my dad passed away that I, I was living in London. I, I come back mm. and I went and saw him in the coffin. I shook his hand and punched him in the face. Mm. And mm. to me, that was like one of those things people say, why did you? It was because I loved the man dearly. He was my best friend. And Loved him very much, but at the same time, he did stupid things that um, caused his own death and things that I sit there and go, well, that's really selfish and why would you do that? Why would you? And Chris and I have spoke about this a lot now and I'm a lot more comfortable with the reason why he passed away and at the same time is that he actually was one of my heroes in life and um, I'm a lot more. I didn't used to be able to talk about my dad without sort of getting a bit choked up, but now I'm openly can talk about him and, and he had issues. And mm. as we all have issues, um, him and mum um, married for many, many years and uh, mum's still around and she's still kicking locally and, and doing doing well. But, mm. um, yeah, it's really, really interesting how you how I dealt with that. It took me probably nine years just to deal with any of it yeah. because mm. I think being so far away as well didn't help. And then I blamed myself and then I blamed everyone else and then I got angry and I went through all those different emotions. Yeah. And I, I think... 
um, in regards to loss, as we're talking about today, is that that was probably the biggest loss that I've gone through. Mm, mm. But when you mentioned, as soon as you guys said growing up before, mm-hmm. that's, just, that's just where my head went, then. is mm. the fact that I did that 13 years ago. I actually... Actually, I've never grown up. Well, <laughs> I dealt well, with well, that I, about a month, not month, probably six, eight months ago. And yeah, that's, that's probably where I grew up. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, did I grow up? Well, yeah, well what do you have, let's look at it. Let's have a well, look at it. Well, you started to lose weight. Oh, I have. Mm-hmm. I've done that many times. Oh. So, yeah. No, that, no, that's, no evidence there. Then. No, that's that's <laughs> my problem. I've always gone big, small, uh, big, small, okay. the yo-yo. And that's only because I keep all my emotion in my gut. Um, I've got a lot of emotion at the moment. <laughs> well, I think that, mate, that you learnt to actually accept your anger and mm-hmm. that diverse range of emotions that you sell to your father. And until we'd actually processed that, yep. you couldn't really, really experience the love or even see him as a mentor. Yeah, exactly. And then once you had processed that, you kind of opened that door. I think that's what we're talking about when going, growing up, giving yeah. up. Mm. Giving up to uh, to dad's destiny in his own life and yeah. allowing him to be who he was, and then actually loving him despite that. Despite yeah, that, exactly. yeah. And, and that opened you up again. And I think that's that's mm. what we're kind of talking about with giving up. Well, it is. It's the risk that's in up, there. Growing it's the up. risk of you know I will love this person even though they're going to die, even though they do stupid things, even though I really hate some of the things they do. I'm still going to love them. Yeah. Yeah. Loves it. You can love someone and not like someone. Yeah, I think love's a risk. Find that really interesting. Yeah, but you go back to you. Pure love's pure vulnerability. Going back to you, Chris. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When I was at school, really good. One of my best friends. She, um, her parents uh, were happy. Everyone was all good and everything all the way through. On the eighth, the youngest sister's eighteenth birthday, the parents said. (laughs) <laughs> we actually haven't been together for many years. We've slept in separate beds in the same bedroom. We only did it and we stayed together for the kids. Yeah. Right? I still get tingles about it now. Mm. Is the fact of you've just wasted 10 years of your own life. Yeah, that was me, sorry. <laughs> you've wasted 10 years of your own life because to stay together for your kids. They're best mates and they will always be best mates, mm. the parents. Mm. But at the same time, they could have actually enjoyed life for that period of time. Well, we're, assu- we're, we're assuming you. in that context that they, they didn't enjoy it. <coughs> I mean, that was an investment and a yeah, choice. They, that investment and choice that they made. They decided to be part. they put everything on hold. Quite well, yeah, we, we probably don't know what they were doing outside the uh, but we can assume, scope yeah, of their home. We can assume from like you know clinical experience, a lot of people do just put stuff on hold, and they 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 struggle through their their you know relationship life, yeah, don't I, they? I think you know? that that everyone does a bit of that at times. Yeah, but yeah. and again, with this particular context, they haven't been together for years, been sleeping. You know, there was a whole kind of acceptance. Oh, but they were slept in the same room, in the same like bed, literally two single beds attached. The kids didn't even know. Old. Uh, and the question I was is, like, Mrs. and Mrs. Beaver kind of stuff. Yeah, but the thing was, he, he had a bad bed. back, so he had to have a special bed yeah. right? and all those sort of things. Yeah, so like Santa when you look back now, you think, oh, fuck, yeah, oh, yeah, that's like, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the question is whether or not they come to resent each other, whether they come yeah. to, um, you know, haze each other. And, and if, they, if, if they can, you know, be in a relationship and be just friends sleeping in separate beds, that's probably great. That's good mm-hmm. as long as they get their pleasure somewhere else. But most people end up hating each other, yeah, resenting. And each that's other. the thing you don't want to do. It's powerful. Mm. It's powerful. It's I think hate kids. and resentment does does build and come into it. But uh, I, I think there's a there's a beauty in the idea of, of trying to struggle through in the relationship. Yeah, and I think there's think? a beautiful in, in acceptance and actually role modeling the kids that hey, you know, your happiness is important and mm. love's important. And if if it if it's gone and there's nothing more you can do, then you need to move forward. Be kind of a 
fearless courage. So I, I can see the beauty of mm, both sides. Okay, you know, yeah. I think some relationships, you know, in the modern era are a little bit fickle. And as soon as things get tough, mm. they split, mm. you know, six months. I mean, my grandmother and grandfather's great story. Dad, uh, my grandfather didn't want another child. They had two boys. My grandmother desperately wanted a, a daughter. Mm. So uh, she said, let's have another one. He said, no way. They would have married for 60 years. I said, okay, Pop, so you didn't have another child. So what did you do during that period? He said, well, we basically didn't have sex for 10 years. <laughs> Good form of contraception. <laughs> well, e- exactly. If you're not going to give me another child, then there's no yeah. need to do this. And, uh, and these were a couple that were together 60 years. Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, there's periods of hard work in a relationship yep. that I'm not sure lots of relationships are fully willing to explore. And I, mm. I think at mm. the same time, sometimes it's too hard, the work's too hard and you've got to come to a point mm. where you're ready to walk away. And but, there's, there's beauty in both those stories. Mm. And you've got to remember as a species, we haven't really had to have long-term relationships except for the last two or three generations. Most people died around about 30. So, you know, you can get rid of the the old man or the old wife fairly quickly. Whereas now, basically... True. Until death do us part was a much shorter time (laughs) frame. (laughs) We have a good solid 10 years. We'll give it a red hot go. (laughs) Whereas now we've got to go 40 years. I actually was um, seeing somebody who had been married to his wife for uh, 45, 50 years. And she died. And, and he was saying essentially, yeah, he, he realised over that period that there were different stages of uh, relationship, different stages of love in that relationship. And that, you know, some of it was in like full of passion and then there was some of it was, which was just companionship and some of it was just caring for, for the other person. So I think, there's, I think you're quite right. We, we need to recognise that there is a, a life cycle and of I relationship. Think there's a balance to that. And I think there are a lot of passionate relationships. As soon as the passion's gone, it's kind of over. Yeah, and I think, think you're re- I think you yeah. rediscover passion. Yeah. I think a good relationship comes in and out of yeah, those basic absolutely. friendship, resentment, love, passion, hurt, pain, suffering. Yeah. And sometimes you can rediscover it over and over and over again. And then it comes a point where, you know, the resentment or the, the yeah. frustration is more than the connection. Yeah, then it can actually can and tolerate. And that's the time yeah. where you've got to actually, you know, call a call. It. Mm, mm, call the mm. call. Well, gentlemen, I'll tell you what, this has been one of the better experiences of uh, my podcast career so far. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Mm. Um, thanks so much for sharing mm. your story. I really, really do. Um, I, I think it's amazing how you can talk about Obviously, you're a trained person that can talk <laughs> about this stuff, but you talk from the heart, and that's, that's a big yeah. difference. I'm sure when, you, um, when you're um, talking to clients and stuff, it's a lot different, but telling stories to, to a mate and, and a mate's mate mm. um, I think is um, – is really good. I think it'll help people. Um, the whole purpose of us trying to do this is so people can actually start talking about stuff. Mm. And I know, and uh, as Chris mentioned before, one of my big things was actually talking about my dad's yeah. passing and, and stuff. And the, I found the last couple of days since we lost two friends that, uh, that to, I, I've had to make, I think, 11 phone calls to different suppliers and things to say, well, sorry, you can't deal with that guy anymore because he's no longer here. And they're mm. like, oh, shit, and they nearly crashed the car or mm. they, I need mm. to sit down. And I've, and I've been sort of dealing with that. And I think it's actually helped me because yeah. I've gone through that pain already, but at the same time I'm now helping those people. I'm saying, Look, I don't know how to tell you this. Yeah. I'll just be blunt and to the point. He's passed away. Oh, fuck, what happened? And it gone through all those bits. So mm. I think to talk by that, I really appreciate you sharing your story with us. Mm. Thank you. Um, and, Chris, appreciate you mm. all the time, my friend. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Let's get down to the really important matter. What did we think of the Burley Brewing Co. Twisted Palm Tropical Pale Ale? 
I'd, I'd like to talk in an image. I'm on Crumman Beach Sunset. It's uh, 5.30. There's a beautiful trickle of sunlight on my back. The, the waves are crashing perfectly. I've got a salty feel on my mm. face from surfing all day. I crack open uh, the burly twisted palm and I'm a happy chappy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and do you reckon it's a one beer or is it mm. a two or a three beer? I think we're going to have to explore that after the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and what about you, Alistair? Can what do you go, think of the Well, bit? can we go with images? Um, images this, this reminds me uh, when I visited the Solomon Islands um, a few years ago and they had a beer there called the Solly Beer and, and just like that. And, you know, the Solomon Islands is a lovely place. It's a tropical island paradise, um, although it wasn't that way at the time. Um, and, uh, yeah, lovely beer, lovely place. Okay. Mm. Well, I quite enjoyed it. I don't drink pale ale, but I quite enjoyed that. The thing I'd say is you want to drink it cold. It was getting a bit warm towards the end. It was starting to get a bit too fruity for my like. Mm. But uh, I quite like it. Okay, score out of five. Chris? I'm going to give the uh, first beer of the third beer a uh, seven and a half. Out of out five. five. Out of five. Good beer. <laughs> Just, <laughs> sorry, sorry, out of ten away. then. I was, going out of 10. Out, I was going out of ten and recognising I've only got ten minutes. To my, <laughs> yeah. to my next client. So, uh, okay, out of five, yeah. well, I'd give it then. I'd have to do the same thing. Uh, about four or three and a half. Yeah. I'd be going a three. Yeah. Three? Yeah, yeah, I'm at a two and a half. Yep, okay. I'd, I'd like it. It's a good beer. I think I'd only drink one, though. I don't think mm. I'd have many. Yeah, no, I wouldn't um, have too many. Which is probably good for the third beer. Mm. So you can probably get into the third one and quite enjoy it. Thank you very much for your time, Bill. It's been a pleasure. No worries. Cheers, guys. Thanks, Alex. It's been great. Thank you. Thanks, guys.